0: The elites have spoken. Trump, Brexit, and so much more prove the people can't handle the power. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6, right here on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And, uh... That we are always focusing on the current events, the mainstream big stories. They don't really seem always like they're going straight to the heart of our liberties. But my view of that big cable 24-7 news cycle is that it's all there to influence our opinion and the opinion they want influences the stuff that's against our interests. If it's in our interest, they don't need to influence us. If it's against our interest, they need to put all the current events in a way that make us feel like we're doing the right thing or the right thing for us or kids or whatever. So I look at all those current events as going straight to the heart of uh, the, the liberties and protections that are enshrined in the bill of rights and the constitution for us. And, and that, If they weren't after the, if you'll notice a pattern with the stories, they're always after, they're always trying to convince us that that the system, the fundamental legal principles, our foundational principles aren't adequate for this changing world. And you, and this is my, this is how I look at it. And uh, the question often comes up. Who are they? Is this you you act like there's some grand conspiracy, that there's some big plot. Who are they? This is just a, a, a it's just the left versus the right and the pendulum swings and and some one person wins and then the other person wins and they're so incompetent, they could never get it right. All that stuff I don't believe. I I think that there is a lot of competence in government and that And I and I use my favorite example is the FAA, the absolute total security of the uh, of the government regulated uh, American U.S. run airlines. They are they are. It's darn near perfect. Maybe it's not the cheapest it could be, but it's fantastic. They can do it if they want. And but that is a totally dictatorial system. And that's what. I think that there is I know that there's a level of of thinker, of intellectual, of political actor, or even the kind of high cabal that Churchill talked about there where the the power elite, the uh, maybe it's international finance, maybe it's even above that. They have an idea of how things have to work for them to have that kind of total control, this central power, this, it's like a technocracy that they're after you cannot have uh you can't the government can't be so big and so powerful if it's purely democratic it's like it's like the empire it's like imperial policy it's like when i have a problem with our foreign policy as being fundamentally at odds with the notion of self-government. If you want to go into other countries, if you want to deal with geopolitics, that's too complicated. There's too much information for you to, as voters, really understand how to direct our actions in places thousands of miles away. You can't understand it. We can barely understand what's happening here. So there's a total disconnect between democracy and i i get everybody like loves to say we're not a democracy we're a republic whatever i would say that that we recognize objective law and we have people who we ask to kind of execute that or arbitrate that and that that those people are elected in a democratic process so we're basically however you look at it It's it's informed self government is what we think we have and what we want, and to the extent we give our our uh, license to self govern away to the government to the uh, professional government, we have protections in place to keep that uh, them at bay and under control. But the way I see the big picture, the big operators operating is they need they they have all this power at the top it takes information and it takes control and it's not going to happen if they have to answer to us so democracy is a problem for them if it's effective but it's a benefit for them if it's uh if it gets us to think that we're engaging in it and in fact we have no power if it gets us to think that we're exercising our own desires and rules but in fact they are influencing us to do what they want and in their minds they're doing it for our own good and who is they that is the question i want to address today and uh my producer binkley is all always ready with some real deep analysis research uh smoking guns of who is they and he goes he really takes a deep dive into the deep state. So, Binkley, I'm going to, I'm asking you to bring some of the great stuff that you've gotten recently. First of all, though, how are you? What's happening?
1: I'm good. I'm feeling a little elitist after diving so deep into some of these <laughs> who are they questions.
0: Are you mocking me? Are you mocking my analysis? No, I'm serious. You, you
1: watch these panel discussions enough and you start to feel a little uppity.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, because the thing is, they seem like, uh, you know, you know they are not really answering to anybody. They're just talking to each other about how to control the world. That's yeah. the feeling I get. And when you when you think about the players who are involved in this, it's it just uh, amazing to me that they just get out there in plain sight and they talk about this stuff to each other, knowing that it'll never get picked up by mainstream media. It'll never uh, be analyzed by the pundits on Fox news at night where people are actually paying attention. So they get to say whatever they want and people like you will pick it up and, uh, and bring it to maybe we'll, maybe, maybe the word will get out. Thanks to you. So I, but, but here was one thing that was really interesting to me about the stuff that you found is some of the people who were involved. And I know you pulled a lot of clips. I want to hear them. And the first one I want to, um, Get you right now is the the Rothschild one. So can you tell me like where? Just uh, refresh my memory. What exactly is this circumstance and who is speaking?
1: This is a panel discussion that happened last week at the Chatham House called "Direct Democracy Participation Without Populism." And okay,
0: let me just think about that for a second. <laughs> Direct democracy's participation without populism. Like I, what do they exactly mean? I don't know if they say what they mean by populism, but I think what they mean is just uh, is just the ignorant, knee jerk, emotional trash who get to vote. Yeah, is how I feel like. But I, I don't know why they even populism actually had a good connotation, and in, in some of the liberal circles. Because it was a kind of, it's what some of them thought of as a more, a better progressive, you know, better better sounding than progressive. I don't know. But like the idea, it was not demonized. But now it sounds like they, they think it's a bad thing because now it's like Trump related yeah. instead of uh, liberal. But yeah, okay. So it's this, um, they want direct democracy without populism. Direct democracy is when you vote on everything. You need a very educated, um, you know. The reason we elect people is so that you can have somebody dedicate all their time in serving your interests by being very limited in what in their power and just being held up there to kind of execute or define how you want the laws to work within, you know, limited strictly by the objective laws that are in the foundational documents. But I don't think that's what they have in mind.
1: They did mention that pure direct democracy. I don't have a clip of this, but they said pure direct democracy would be just like social media, these attack mobs.
0: Right. So I don't know what they're after, but let's listen to her bigger picture stuff. So let's start. And, and who is this?
1: This is Lady Rothschild Ha! as an yes. audience member at the panel discussion.
0: Yeah, she's that's Lynn Lynn Rothschild, right?
1: Oh yeah, Lynn Rothschild.
0: Yeah, she she was featured in one of those leaked uh, Hillary Clinton emails. So she's a good friend and supporter of Hillary Clinton. I think she spent her her honeymoon with Evelyn Rothschild, her husband, third husband, and she's his third wife at the White at the Clinton White House. So wow. she's very connected. All right, so let's hear let's hear what she has to say. Please tell us who you are.
2: Hi, I'm Lynn Forrester de Rothschild. Um, so I think it is great and vital to to address democracy. But in thinking about this for a few years and more in the context of inclusive capitalism, I've come to believe that to talk about models of democracy is a little bit like rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic um, for two reasons. one is that is that we have seen in America and Britain that regular people aren't thinking uh, in this way, and how do ideas connect to them which leads me to my second and Um, most important observation is that I think our problem is that we have accepted neoliberalism as an operating function for the social contract among all of us and our institutions. And basically, that needs to be replaced in, in the same way that it replaced what drove Keynes and government.
0: Okay, so that is interesting in itself because... The the neoliberalism, if you look it up, it has a, in my opinion, like different people mean different things by it, but it it really, I, I believe means like this, like kind of the Reagan revolution on trying to have a little more economic liberty for the prosperity of all. And a lot of these people are really focusing on tearing down our fundamental architecture of laws, of economics and they and they're and in my opinion they're looking for reasons to do it. Looking for reasons like social media, like um AI, like automation, things that are going to replace the uh that 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 it just changed the world. And so our laws have to change. I disagree with that. I want to hear the rest of what she has to say. Uh I think it's gonna shock you. Let's take a break first. Um you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.
3: Monica Perez. Well, no one's going to top that. On News
2: 95.5 at a.m. 750 WSB.
0: We're taking a deep dive into the deep state and listening to some of the really uh, offensive things that they say at the Chatham House, which is... The Mothership of the Mothership. It's the place in England that spawned or is the sister of the Council of Foreign Relations, who Hillary Clinton called the Mothership. And we are listening to clips by Hillary's great supporter, Lynn de Rothschild, of THE Rothschild. So anyone who thinks there's a conspiracy, they usually think it starts with the Rothschilds. So uh, so we've been... Listening to what she has to say, and we've got a great like wrap up. She thinks that we need like a complete restructuring of how the world works, basically. Uh, and uh, Binkley, you've got are you teed up? I'm ready to go. All right, and then what did you say? She called the people, the uh,
1: she said during that last clip we played that regular people are not thinking in this way the way that these elites are thinking
0: right so she's making a prescription for them let's mm-hmm. hear it
1: pre-war post-war
2: so so i think what we re- we need to up our game in two ways intellectually we need to think about how do we need to change our culture our religion our definition of happiness our definition of success so that it creates a world that responds to the people who feel so disenfranchised by these very, you know, uh, ivory tower conversations. And I think that's where we need to put our best thinking.
0: All right. I think we need to really give that some time because... She is talking about a a fundamental restructuring of society. Almost reminds me of like one of the like a Brave New World or something where yeah. you change the world to change man himself. So I think we need to listen to that again. I also I know you brought some clips from other like super uber elite billionaire types, and then the kind of uh, brass tax guy who tells us the tactics. Of how they're going to shape our thoughts, so that their new democracy can yield better results than things like Trump and Brexit. So we've got we're going to replay that, but we've got so much more to come uh, right after the break. This is Monica Perez.
1: What's up, everyone? I wanted to give a quick thank you to everyone who has donated to the show either through PayPal or Patreon. Your donations, your support are the only reason that we are able to continue doing the show. Our mission is to expose the lies, to uncover the agendas that lie beneath the surface, to empower people if we can, and to promote libertarian principles. And our ability to do this is becoming more and more challenging each day because control of the internet is tightening up. And it's making it harder and harder for us to find good information. So we're spending most of our time researching, thinking of creative ways to find good information, sifting through old newspaper archives, monitoring think tanks, and we need funds to help us to continue to do this. And it's not always easy for us to get the word out about this because, as you know, we make the type of content that is inconvenient to those in power, and we are more likely to be suppressed, as we have, than anything else. So if you like the show, if you get value from it, help us out if you can drop us a donation via paypal or become a patreon we need all the help we can get this is a battle i know it sounds cliche but this is a battle there is an assault on the truth going on right now and we'd like to continue fighting for the truth as long as we possibly can you can find the donation links at our website www.thepropreport.com. That's www.thepropreport.com Episode 170. Thanks for listening, y'all. Monica Perez.
2: Wow! That was intense! On News 95.5 and AM 750,
0: WSB. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on WSB. And we are uh, well underway in a little expose of the, the deep state is really the international elite in my opinion it's not obama holdovers and it's not even simply american so binkley my trusty sidekick and producer always digs deep and gets the best stuff from these think tank get-togethers where the chatham house or the council of foreign relations the brookings institution they all uh get together and tell each other how they're Going to run the world, and part of their discussion is sometimes how to get us to go along with it. So they look at democracy. I think I call democracy the new opiate of the masses because it makes you, uh, it neutralizes you by th- making you think that you're you have a say, or that if things aren't going the way you want them, it's somebody else's fault. But here are guys talking about how they're really manipulating it, and the big goal. I think is uh, displayed by a clip we just played. It's real short. We'll replay that and then play some more of Linda Rothschild, who is a big, big supporter of Hillary Clinton. And of course she is married to Evelyn Rothschild, who is of the famous uh, timeless Rothschild banking house. And if you think that this is just like a Democrat thing the Rothschild empire was also the banking house that Wilbur Ross, our commerce secretary, who, in his role as a Rothschild banker, if I'm not mistaken, bailed Trump out a bit in the past and is now in the Trump administration. I mean, these, I believe that these networks, these plans are uh, above the parties and even the nations and even the people we think are fighting the good fight for us probably, you know, whether they know it or not, they're probably serving the same agenda. And, uh, I believe that we are going to hear now that they're using the Trump victory, the Brexit victory as proof positive that democracy needs to be modernized and controlled basically in this digital world. So, uh, Binkley, tell me, um, again, what's the setup here, and then replay that clip, if you would. The
1: this is hand. the the Chatham House, and this is the international think tank, and this is the Rothschild, Lisa Rothschild? Lynn. Lynn, Lynn Rothschild. She's an audience member at the Chatham House think tank, which is titled "Democracy: uh, Direct Democracy Participation Without Populism.
0: Yeah, and uh, can you just play that little second half of the clip?
1: Yes. Okay. Post-war. So,
2: so I think what we re- we need to up our game in two ways. Intellectually, we need to think about how do we need to change our culture, our religion, our definition of happiness, our definition of success, so that it creates a world that responds to the people who feel so disenfranchised by these very, you know ivory tower conversations and i think that's where we need to put our best thinking
0: so i think that what she's saying you pointed out that earlier in that clip that we played before the break she she was talking about regular people and how they're just not thinking right anymore about neoliberalism whatever she meant by that so her prescription if you listen to that clip couple of times you hear she was saying cultural, religious, happiness, uh, success, like the way we think about those things. Us regular people, we need to create, uh, redefine those things so that regular people can be happy in the world. These people, these regular people who are sick of the ivory tower stuff. So she's in the ivory tower and she didn't say we need to address their issues She said we need to redefine what it means to be happy so people can accept the world.
1: I think she's talking about lowering people's expectations. Hmm.
0: Well, certainly they're trying to change people's expectations. They're they're definitely trying to get people not to think and not to govern themselves, but to be manipulated. I I think that let's. I think the other clips will illuminate this a little bit more. I'm thinking just as like a uh, here. Well, let's see. Because the regular people is the populism. I think she was talking about that or at least referring to that. This is a guy, Nathan Gardels, who is a senior advisor to the Berggruen Institute. You're turning me on to this, Binkley, for the first time. I never even heard of it before. Had you? No. And what – do you know anything about it?
1: I do not. This is the first I've heard of it. I know that this guy is releasing a book soon called Renovating Democracy, Governing in the Age of Globalism and Digital Capitalism.
0: Nathan Gardel's?
1: Yes. All
0: right. Well, now that you mentioned that, the globalism thing – you and I both talked about Trump and Brexit being used to create the pendulum swing back towards globalism. Yeah but now i'm thinking it's even more profound than that it's meant to fundamentally change our ideas about democracy or expectations from democracy itself like i think that's what this guy's pointing to uh and i think maybe hopefully this uh clip 15 can can uh, help illuminate that that's really what we're talking about. Can you play this guy? Play, and then I'll tell you a little bit about this Burgering guy, but play clip 15.
3: That we're seeing the rise of populism in the West and the rise of China in the East and the spread of social media everywhere, uh, as uh, Rajya said, is prompting a rethink of how democratic systems work or how they don't work. Globalization and digital capitalism are creating new classes of winners and losers that the old social contract is not configured to deal with. But China comes into the picture because it challenges the dysfunctional democracies of the West to get beyond polarization and paralysis and reach a governing consensus by other than illiberal means or fall into second-class status on the world stage. We have a so-called leader of the free world Uh, who relishes battling his way through every 24-hour news cycle by hurling barbed tweets at sundry foes. By contrast, China's leader has used his enormous power to lay out a roadmap for the next 30 years. So there's the challenge.
1: There is so much in that. (sighs) I just love the end of that clip there. Our guy's on Twitter all the time Why China's thinking ahead.
0: Yeah, and look at democracy. Look at what democracy got you, whereas... Uh, dictatorial, tyrannical communism is really, it's the future. I mean, didn't they just pass that that guy was going to be president for 30 years or something like I that? I
1: think for life.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, so this is a theme that you get from the left and the right, which drives me crazy. Is like, how are we supposed to compete? How is liberty, how is liberty and justice for all supposed to compete with tyrannical dictatorship and central yeah. control. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm dumbstruck. I found, I read a quote of a chick from the far right saying that.
1: Yeah, I, they've been talking about this in all of these panel discussions at all of these think tanks. They've been saying the exact same thing.
0: Well, I'll tell you, there's one thing that I think is important to understand. And that is central control is not a superior uh, model even just from a practical point of view, because it requires the collection of all knowledge, which is probably why DARPA has such a big part in, in the tech world, because that is all about collection of knowledge. That's why they gave it to us. And if you, and it's, this is one thing that the great libertarian thinker Friedrich Hayek brought up was his theory of knowledge, which Wikipedia is based on. It's also the theory of the pricing mechanism, which is that all information cannot be like gathered and processed, but it is reflected in the simple pricing mechanism in that anything that stays on a shelf means the price is too high, bring the price down. If the price goes down so much that you can't produce it because all of the information about what it costs to produce something and people's preferences and everything is in the cost of the item, all of the information about preferences and utility and cost and efficiency and use of resources is reflected in a price that clears the supply and demand. And there is and that will control the economy to the highest and best use for every single person in it. And and if there is a problem, if someone is just incapable, physically incapable of engaging economically, that's a charity case, and you can deal with that separately. But this idea that we need uh, that that a centralized communist form of government is superior is just uh, it's a it's a flaw. But you're hearing this all over the place, right?
1: Yeah, they're echoing this theme at at a lot of these panel discussions. That have topics about similar 5G stuff like that,
0: and the Russia part too. They say like, how are we supposed to compete with a crazed militaristic dictator who can doesn't have to answer to the people when he if he wanted to bomb Iran, he could just bomb it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. how are we supposed to cope with that? You got to take other, the
1: chains off for us so we can fight these guys. Is what it sounds like they're saying.
0: Yeah, and what the theme? Yeah, yeah, and, and what the th- you're saying that.
1: We, saying, yeah, we need we to do some of this stuff yeah, too.
0: Right, exactly. And then this other idea that he says in that same clip that there's the old social contract doesn't make it doesn't doesn't allow for this modern world. But the old social contract, first of all, as an anarcho capitalist, I question uh, if it's truly a contract. I didn't sign up for it.
1: Russo, is that what we're talking about here?
0: Uh, is it? Not I don't really. know. I never – I only went for the – when I examined the Enlightenment-era thinkers, I only ever looked at the Locke type, the the guys who went for freedom and liberty. I, I don't know. I'm not up on my Rousseau. Is he, it was is the he, will
1: of the people, the will of the masses, but direct democracy.
0: Uh, I don't know. Direct democracy is what these guys are, but I don't think that's what they're really promoting.
1: No, I don't think it is either.
0: I think they're saying that and I think some of the other clips where they talk about uh, they talk about who how they're going to shape it really reveals that they are not actually after a democratic process, I
2: think.
1: Oh, absolutely. And he said in that clip he calls it digital capitalism. He says that term a handful oh, of times. Yes. And that is what we talked about a few weeks ago, is they're creating this generation of people who are only learning how to survive on the web, on the Internet. And if they are ever, you know, kicked off of it, kicked off a platform, they're not going to have the skills to survive outside of the digital world.
0: Yeah. And and who created that? Let's talk about that. we got to take a quick break. I'll tell you who backs that guy, Nathan, we were just hearing from, who is the power behind him and uh, and we'll wrap up that uh, that little piece of the puzzle after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man.
2: On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
0: So we have been... Listening in on some clips of the power elite cooking up the next wave of controlling our democracy. And one of the—we've heard some shocking things. One of the powers behind the mouthpieces is a guy named Nicholas Berger, and I never even heard of him. Ev- evidently, he's a billionaire. He's behind a think tank that wants to reshape democracy— and uh, he's a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, the Brookings Institute, World Economic Forum. He's connected with the Safra family, which you're never getting to the bottom of, I think. And uh, and this is what he has in store for us. Hey, Binkley, can you play uh, clip 22?
4: Traditional media used to be a filter. It's gone. Uh, so everybody has a voice. It's gonna be irresistible for people to use that voice. Yep. The question is, how do you filter those voices? And um, you've had Traditionally, you had filters, political parties, you had traditional media. I don't think they're coming back uh, the way they used to, but you still need a, an editing or filtering system. <laughs> um, so how do you do it? Government has to be a service organization to serve everyone. It can't be distant. It has, to rep- it has to reflect the view of the people. How do you reflect the view of the people? Just for elections and referendums, that's very crude. You've seen it in Britain. So there has to be a more sophisticated way of doing it. And you can involve people, thanks to technology. You can have citizens' assemblies that can be um, an advisor to the public, to the elected officials, and to the bureaucracy, all of them. So you can use those tools to inform people, to inform government itself, uh, but you still need some form of filters.
0: Boy, this guy has a lot in store for us. And you hear that echoed in what Obama used to say, what Vern Jordan said, even today. But I'll tell you, we get deeper into this, and there's so much more to know about this particular topic. If you want to go check out our latest podcast on thepropreport.com, this is Monica Perez.